Hi. Welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. How are you doing? Uh, you know. <laughs> I think we do. <laughs> That's all right. We have some exciting facts to learn today. We do. Yeah. So at least there's that. We're promised we're going to make this fun. Yes, yes, yes. We're still... And informative. And informative. And... Yeah. We're going to make... We're trying to make this easy on you, you know? Yeah. No hard, difficult listening, you know? Yeah, of course. Oh, well, I mean... Well... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about some relevant um, historical right. stuff. Right. But we want to make it accessible. We don't want to yes. make it daunting. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just sip my coffee and you know sit back and and get ready so here we go (laughs) i when i was a kid this is totally unrelevant but irrelevant is the word (laughs) i used to play this game with my next door neighbor because we had like we shared a driveway but it like forked when it got closer Mm -hmm. to our houses Mm -hmm. um but his driveway like went up a a little slope Mm -hmm. so we would always go to his garage at the top of his driveway and like race our scooters down it. Oh, love a scooter. Um, yeah. But we would always we played this dumb game where we would take turns, one of us would be a police officer. Relevant. Um and the police off and the other person would play like a speeding car. Mm-hmm. And the police officer, you would have to start it by going Drinking my coffee, eating my donuts, looking at my scar that looks like Maine. <laughs> what? And then when you heard the word Maine, the other person had to zoom down, and then the other person would have to try and catch them. That's a weird game. I don't know. He, rhyme. he made it up. <laughs> I wonder if he made up the rhyme too, or if he got it, it from doesn't somewhere. rhyme, but or like the the Funny jingle. Thing, I just realized. You know who that friend was? He's now. Na- it was my neighbor Will, who now like is a singer and like has music. Look up Bill Pris. He's really oh, cool. cool. <laughs> a tag. A free I haven't ad. talked to him in a very long time, but hey, Will, you're doing cool things. Um, free ad. Anyway, free ad Will. <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah. Anyway. So every oh. time I hear you say "drinking my coffee," I think of that, even though it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, if everybody else wants a nice little bit of Schadenfreude, um, I injured my foot. Um, oh. It sucked. It hurts. It still hurts. It's been like it's been a week now. Actually, she's got bruises. I have bruises. My foot looks like it got in a fist fight. A it really very does. small problem to have in the grand scheme of things. But the week before, I injured my foot, and I was like being so woe is me about it. And then Sarah hurt her foot way worse. <laughs> And I was like, okay. <laughs> and honestly, now now it's at the point that it looks a lot worse than it actually okay. feels, but it definitely I do get spikes of pain still. Mm-hmm. Um, hope hopefully that yeah heals itself quickly. I'm sure it will. I'm sure I'll be fine. Like I said, well, this I is a very quickly, this is a very small problem to have in the grand scheme of yes. things. But sometimes it it makes people feel good to hear that someone else is suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, in a tiny way. <laughs> Shot in Florida. So there you go. <laughs> of course. Okay. Now diving into my real topic. Yes. So real problems that actually matter. (laughs) So Sarah asked me last week, well, two weeks ago, about the Black Panther Party. And I'm going to talk about that. Okay. So (laughs) can you imagine if you were like, no, but I'm not going to But I've decided that that I would rather talk about. (laughs) I decided that I wanted to talk about workout videos. So... (laughs) 
I'm looking at my mom's workout videos. <laughs> my topic is the fitness industry. Um, no, no. The Black Panther Party, known simply as the Black Panthers, was a political organization founded in 1966 by Huey Newton and Bobby Seale. And it was meant to challenge police brutality against the African-American community. Mm-hmm. They dressed, uh, they were known to dress in black berets and black leather jackets. Huey Newton and Bobby Seale, the founders, met in 1961 when they were both students at Merritt College in Oakland, California. While they were in school, they both fought for civil rights. They had both been on many civil rights organizations. For an example of this was at Merritt College, there was a celebration called Pioneers Day, during which the school honored the pioneers that came to California in the 1800s. Seal and Newton were amongst students who were protesting the celebrations because they were intentionally omitting the role that African Americans played in the settling of the American West. Right. Also, while they were in school, the two formed a group called the Negro History Fact Group, which called on the school to offer classes in black history. Oh, good for them. Both, as I said, had previously been involved in many civil rights groups, but they had grown frustrated with those organizations because they were failing to combat police brutality and other injustices that they were seeing in their communities. Right. At the time, in many northern and western U.S. cities, black people were forced to live in urban ghettos with high unemployment rates and substandard housing. And at the time, well, not even at the time, uh, many believed that they were treated unfairly and brutalized by a police force that didn't represent them. For an example of how little they were represented in the police force, Oakland at the time had 661 police officers, only 16 of whom were black. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Newton and Seale decided to create the Black Panthers in the wake of the assassination of Malcolm X and after police in San Francisco shot and killed an unarmed black teenager named Matthew Johnson. In October of 1966, the organization was founded as the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, which was later shortened. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their early actions primarily involved monitoring police activities in black communities in Oakland and in other cities. Right. They organized armed patrols that followed police officers and monitored them for in- incidences of abuse. They were really diligent about the firearms they carried. Whenever police approached them and inquired about the guns, the Black Panther members would recite the state and federal laws which permitted them to carry loaded weapons, and they would even provide documentation of permits and legal gun ownership. In 1967, they gained national attention because they had sort of a protest where they carried loaded firearms into the California State Assembly in protest of a piece of legislation that would make carrying loaded firearms illegal. Six members were arrested for this incident. Mm -hmm. I assume what they were protesting was that this new piece of legislation, like, would only hurt them. Yeah. Like, I'm all for gun control, but in this case, like... It was very targeted to stop a group. To stop them, yeah. Yeah, to stop this group of black men from carrying guns yeah. to protect themselves. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. But they didn't just carry around guns. They instituted a number of social programs to serve the black community in ways that they saw their government failing to do. They started the Free Breakfast for Children program, and it has been estimated that during the 1968-1969 school year, the Black Panther Party fed more than 20,000 children wow. breakfast on a regular basis. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. Which, I don't, I don't know. I guess they got it all from, like, they were self-funded, I guess. Yeah. Because th- that's just so much. And donations, yeah. Um, they also started the People's Free Food Program, where they, which w- fed less people, but it was in order to feed 
older members of the community and families, mm-hmm. um, not, not just children. Mm-hmm. They also had clothing distribution programs. They provided classes on politics and economics. They provided free medical care in black communities. And they taught lessons on self-defense and first aid. They also set up an ambulance program and a drug rehabilitation service. Wow. So they had so many social yeah, programs. Yeah, that's amazing. In May of 1967, they issued a list of 10 points which stated their beliefs and values. I'm going to read the 10 points like exactly as they're written. Okay. Great. So I'm going to say we, but mm-hmm. yeah. I'm <laughs> well, not part yeah. of the we. <laughs> I'm a right. white person in 2020. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Number one, we want freedom. We want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Number two, we want full employment for our people. Number three, we want to end the robbery by the white man of our black community. Number four, we want decent housing fit for shelter of fit for shelter of human beings. Number five, we want education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches our true history and our role in the present day society. Number six, we want all black men to be exempt from military service. Number seven, we want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. Number eight, we want freedom for all men held in federal, state, county, and city prisons and jails. Number nine, we want all black people when brought to trial to be tried in a court by a jury of their peer groups or people from their black community as defined by the Constitution of the United States. And number 10, we want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, justice, and peace. These are very reasonable requests. I agree. Yeah, (laughs) completely reasonable. Why exemption from the military? I was wondering that as well. I think the reasoning behind it is that the government of the United States is not serving the black community, so why should they have to serve them? them? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I assume that it was somewhere along those lines. Yeah. I saw a post that was like, black people already built this country for free for you. Exactly. Why should we continue to have to like be forced to serve and i was like completely reasonable <laughs> makes sense they drew on marxist ideology and they identified as part of the larger black power movement which em- emphasized black pride community control and unification for civil rights great all great things yeah the group's ideals resonated with the black community and their numbers expanded rapidly Uh, Again, they were formed in 1966. They got national attention in 1967. By 1968, they had, like, 2,000 members. Mm -hmm. And at their peak in 1969, there were as many as 10,000. Wow. They had major presences in more than 20 major U.S. cities, including New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago, Boston, Dallas, Los Angeles, and Washington, Mm D.C. They had a newspaper that they published called The Black Panther, which was read by more than 250,000 people. Wow. The editor of this newspaper was a man named Eldritch Cleaver, who would become, like, the third most important slash influential person in the Black Panther movement. Mm-hmm. Like, the number one and two people were Newton and Seal, the two founders, and then Eldritch Cleaver was, like, number three. Yeah, I've heard that name before. Mm-hmm. The group is often portrayed as a violent gang, but their leadership really spent a majority of its time organizing a political party with the goal of getting more people of color elected to office. Yeah. The FBI did not agree with the group's, quote, paramilitary activities. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> which was just carrying loaded guns. Yeah. And they categorized them as a black nationalist hate group. 
J. Edgar Hoover, said that they were, quote, the greatest threat to the internal security of the country. Uh, the video, the video of him talking about the Black Panthers is, like, one of the most aggravating things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's in, I just watched the documentary 13th, and they talk about this in 13th, and it's, like, Oh, it's terrible. It's infuriating. Yeah. The FBI made them the target of investigation with the intent of weakening the group's power and damaging their credibility. Now, there were a few controversies that, like, marred the public image of Mm -hmm. the Black Panthers. In 1967, founder Huey Newton was accused of killing Oakland police officer John Frey. He was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to 2 to 15 years in prison. But an appellate court, yeah, that's how that's pronounced, right? Mm -hmm. But an appellate court later reversed the conviction. Oh, okay. So he was eventually found, he was not sent to prison for that. Okay. In 1968, Eldritch Cleaver, along with a 17-year-old fellow member of the Black Panther Party, who was also the treasurer of the group, Bobby Hutton, who, good for him being the treasurer at 17. Yeah, good for you. He must have been very smart. Um, They were sadly involved in a shootout with the police that left Hutton dead and two police officers wounded. Mm. And there were a couple of internal conflicts in the group. In 1969, Black Panther member Alex Rackley was tortured and murdered by other Black Panther members because they thought that he was a police informant. <gasps> That's terrible. I know. That sucks. In 1974, Black Panther bookkeeper Betty Van Patter was found beaten and murdered. Uh, no one was charged with her death, but many believe that party leadership was responsible. Oh. Um, I think it's important to look at all of these, though, within the context of their time and remember the stakes that were involved. Yeah. Like, I'm not at all excusing these deaths of these Mm -hmm. people within the party by their own people, but I also think, like, again, like, this group was fighting to protect black lives and there was so much at stake and there was, they were fighting the FBI and... Right. Like, things escalate. You high. can imagine that things would escalate in a way that, like, regrettably, yeah. members of their party died, yeah. you know? The FBI also worked to weaken the Panthers by exploiting existing rivalries between black nationalist groups, and they worked to undermine and dismantle the Free Breakfast for Children program and the other social programs. Mm-hmm. In 1969, Chicago police gunned down and killed Black Panther Party members Fred Hampton and Mark Clark, who were asleep in their apartment. Oh, this is, oh, I just read an article about this. It's so terrible. It's literally the worst. The police at the time described it as a fierce gun battle with bullets being fired from both sides, but later ballistics experts determined that about 100 bullets had been fired and only one did not come from the police. It's awful. It's truly terrible. Yeah. Although the FBI was not directly responsible for the raid, they didn't order it. A federal grand jury later indicated that the Bureau had a significant role in the events leading up to it. Yeah. I mean, the FBI was trailing Fred Hampton. That's a known fact. So that's likely how the Chicago PD found him. Yeah. (sighs) It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah. Throughout the 70s, because of all these things, the group's members consistently dwindled until by 1980, there were only 27 official members left. Oh, wow. Uh, In 1989, in Dallas, there was a group called the New Black Panther Party, uh, which is also a black nationalist organization, but the members of the original Black Panther Party say that there's no connection and there's no relation, Mm. and the U.S. Commission of Civil Rights and the Southern Poverty Law Center have called the new Black Panther Party a hate group, Mm. and the original Black Panther Party has, like, publicly been like, we are not connected to that. Gotcha. That is not part of what we 
stood for in the 60s and stand for now, even though there's so few official members, I think there's still a lot of... Allegiance. Allegiance. I was going to say nostalgia, but that's not exactly the right word, but, like, identifying with it from afar. Yeah. Yeah. And agreeing with what they stood for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's really everything I have on it, but I don't know. I just thought it was important to talk about... I was glad you asked me about this, because I didn't know much about them. Yeah, I had recently seen you know, stories come up about them and stuff like that and small little facts, but I realized that I didn't really know and understand the scope of what they had done, Mm -hmm. you know? um, I mean, definitely within a big, a huge flaw within our American education system is that when you learn about the civil rights movement, you learn it in terms of two groups, the nonviolent and the violent, you know? In high school, I always learned that Martin Luther King Jr. was the nonviolent, mm-hmm. like, beloved speaker, and Malcolm X was this violent radical, and that the, like, NAACP was this, like, government group working for reform change, and the mm-hmm. Black Panthers were this, like, off-the-rails counter-movement, you know? Yeah. But really, that's not... That's just not true in either case yeah. in that, like, it's being framed in a way so that you can identify who the quote-unquote safe black people were and who yeah. the quote-unquote unsafe black people were. So I definitely was interested in being like, okay, like, no, what did they actually want? You know, what were they actually yeah. standing for in terms of understanding that violence and rioting is sometimes yeah. the the only response possible, you know? Um, and understanding maybe that was more of what's happening, but it sounds like, like, it wasn't even that. They were just identified as a threat because they were gaining so much momentum. Yeah. And I was also surprised to learn, given the fact that they were legally carrying around so much firearms, Mm -hmm. I was expecting there to be more firearm deaths of Black Panther members shooting non-Black Panther members. Right. But I didn't find a lot of those. Yeah, definitely not. But unfortunately, um, the FBI and the media really sold the Black Panthers as this violent group to be afraid of because it was known that they carried firearms. Yes. You know? However, I would like to point out that the police carry firearms and they Mm -hmm. are not sold in the media in general as a violent and dangerous group. So it was completely race-based. Yeah. I also, I know that these are very far apart in time, but when I was reading that section about um, the Black Panther members going to the California State Assembly carrying firearms to Mm -hmm. protest the legislation, I couldn't help but think of all of the white protesters who went to D.C. DC with weapons to protest um, shelter-in-place orders. Yeah, and nothing happened to them. And nothing happened to them, and in that case, six people were arrested. Yeah. It's terrible. No, it shows a very clear um, contrast between the two, for sure, Um, in how the Black Panthers were treated versus how, like, even white nationalist groups are treated now. Yeah. You know. Oh, boy. Well, thank you for that. (laughs) Um, So, for the middle segment today, I'm going to talk about something that's, like, kind of of a bridge. (laughs) I'm not going to say it's a bridge between our two topics, because my topic is completely and totally different. Your topic is so different. different. It's, <laughs> you it's, asked me about something really important, and I was just like, I don't know, I've been thinking about this. But. It's fine. It's, it's Sometimes it's nice to indulge in a piece of ancient, ancient history, you know? <laughs> so, the, but the middle one I'm going to make, I'm going to keep it more timely. Um, I'm going to talk about why the Supreme Court justices have lifetime appointments. Oh! 
So this is what it says in the Constitution. The judges, both of the supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior and shall, at stated times, receive for their services a compensation, which shall not be diminished during their continuance in office. It never officially says in the Constitution that they have a life tenure. Mm -hmm. Unlike the Constitution, it clearly lays out that senators have a six-year term and state representatives have a two-year term. So because it was left open-ended, it has been chosen to be interpreted as a life tenure. However, it is important to remember that at the time, the average lifespan was much shorter Mm -hmm. when the Constitution was written. At the time, um, a white man would be expected to live just about 50 years. In 2016, the average U.S. lifespan for, I believe, white men, I don't think overall, um, or in the U.S., was 79 years, which is three decades longer. So because of this, there are a lot of reasons to reconsider having Supreme Courts have a lifetime tenure. There are multiple proposals on what it should be instead. Some people think it should be 18 years, and other people... Interesting. I don't know exactly how they got 18, but the the original purpose, I'll say, of having the Supreme Court be a longer-standing position is that, at the time, Mm -hmm. George Washington was a huge proponent of a a not-party system. He didn't Mm -hmm. want there to be political parties. And George Washington and many other founding fathers believed that if they had a Supreme Court who was held outside of the party system, Mm -hmm. who was held outside of the elections that representatives and the president are held to, then Mm -hmm. they would not be bound to political ideas because they were not elected. They were appointed. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't have to make say oh i'm for at the time it would say oh i'm for a federal bank whatever you know they didn't have to make those distinctions their only job was to read and interpret the laws in the constitution so at the time they just expected that the supreme court was going to be literally the best lawyers or the best judges yeah however even by 1807 during Thomas Jefferson's presidency, mm-hmm. only the third president, this already was not happening. Thomas Jefferson already wanted to fire Supreme Court justices to appoint ones that believed in the same politics he did. Yeah. And it clearly did not work. Now, like, it is so obvious, the political distinctions between Supreme Court judges, that it just doesn't, that doesn't make sense anymore. But that was the idea at the time. So, like many other things in the Constitution, it's an outdated idea that was, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, it was very, it was too hopeful, it was too ambitious. Yeah. You know, and it was something that... The, the original writers of the Constitution thought, yes, this is a great idea because it'll be the true bipartisan high court. But that's not what it ended up mm-hmm. being. Because throughout time, we are only getting more partisan. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't really worked out. So some people think that the tenure, that the term limit should be 18 years. I don't know exactly why they picked 18 years, but here are the re- here are the reasonings. I'm lo- I'm on the fixthecourt.com website, mm-hmm. and this is what they're advocating for. Um, Supreme Court justices now serve longer on average than any point in American history. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Lifespans are getting longer. Um, life tenure has turned Supreme Court nominations into a political circus. 
They write, it's no longer a priority to find the best candidate for the job, a candidate who will serve with integrity and who has experience outside of an appellate courtroom. Instead, the party in charge scrambles to find the youngest, often most ideological nominee um, in order to control the seat for decades to come. Mm -hmm. The other option besides a term limit um, many of many organizations which propose 18 years is to set a retirement age. However, this causes a problem because the retirement age is younger than many of the people who are currently running for president. <laughs> so they were like, okay, well, why would you set a retirement age for Supreme Court when there's no retirement age for the presidency? President. Like if it was 65, that limit that's the same age as all of the major candidates from this past year, almost. <laughs> So, it's like, sorry, I'm just, my leg's falling asleep. Oh, it just seemed like you were getting really passionate about it. You were like, I can't even sit still anymore. No, it's, it's, it's complicated. And I agree that there, I agree that there needs to be reform of the entire government in general. However, I think with, when it comes to the Supreme Court, um, I do believe the original intent has completely been lost. Mm Mm-hmm in our system and that is one of the reasons why the supreme court has so many flaws in its Mm -hmm. appointments um especially the when you consider that our government is only becoming more partisan as a result of that the supreme court appointments will only become more partisan as well yeah you know as we have a completely alt-right president then we will have an alt-right Supreme Court appointment. Mm -hmm. And same on the other end, which makes it more difficult to make rulings and pass laws because then it no longer becomes about the actual reading of the Constitution, but rather them um, following through on their political promises to the person that appointed them. Mm -hmm. So they, even though the original idea was that they were not held to a party, in actuality, they very much are. Uh, Yeah. Like how we saw Brett Kavanaugh voted no to the recent Supreme Court decision on um, LGBTQ people and in the workplace. So things to think about. Um, yeah. Just wanted to just wanted to bring it up. <laughs> but also, while there isn't a retirement age, let's just pray that Ruth Bader Ginsburg lives forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like Superwoman. I love her. It's crazy. Oh my god. She, we keep hearing things about her like going into the hospital for this and that, but and she always fine. comes she back always, out. She always bounces back. She always bounces back. I anyway. just thought of something on like, related to my topic that I forgot to say. Oh, yeah, say it, say it. Just, I just realized that when we were talking about why um, why they were saying that they didn't want to be forced into military service, mm-hmm. it was 1967, the Vietnam War was, like, oh, right. literally drafting people. <laughs> right, and they were like, I'm not fighting in that. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect sense. I'm with you, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to talk about something totally different now. Yeah, great. This is your, <laughs> this is your weekly clout. If you are looking for a podcast that talks about issues that are relevant to now, or and you're also in the need for one that does, like, random topics, this week we're giving you both. Yeah, we're giving you with both. This is your palate cleanser topic, okay? Mm-hmm. This is... I'm going to give you permission for the next, like, 20-ish minutes to clear your mind if you are out yeah. there and you're you know reading lots of news articles which can be really difficult and you're doing a lot of hard work like thank you so much i'm now giving you permission 
what I what permission I can give yeah. uh, with, with what rights I have to take your 20 minutes and learn about something just totally random for the day and then and get then, back to it and then get back to it um and this is all about Pompeii <laughs> okay so we all know Pompeii as the city Mount Vesuvius destroyed in the 79 AD eruption however Pompeii had a very long history before this Mm. There is evidence that Pompeii started as a small village and expanded into a city over many centuries of settlement. The first settlement dates back to 8th century BCE. What? Uh-huh. I wonder what the earliest thing we've talked about on this podcast. No, your climate change thing. That didn't didn't that go back to when the earth was created? Yeah, never mind. Maybe, maybe. I'm going to have a fun throwback in here. Oh. I'm excited to, like, an unsuspecting one. Um, the Oscans, who were native to central Italy, founded five villages in the Bay of Naples, is uh-huh. what that area is called. Then the Greeks arrived in Campania, which is the region um, mm-hmm. that Naples is in, around 740 BCE. They built the Doric Temple, and the Greeks and Phoenicians used Pompeii as a safe port. In the early 6th century, Pompeii became a community that sat on the crossroads between Cumae and Stabiae, both of which were Greek colonies in Italy, Mm -hmm. and Nola, which was an outpost of Naples. Around this time, the first city wall was built, and that city wall is still visible in Pompeii today. This was an impressive structure for its time, and it tells excavators that Pompeii was rich and very important in ancient civilization. In 524 BCE, the Etruscans arrived and settled in the area, including Pompeii. I love the Etruscans. I think they're you so. You I think they're so interesting. Did you know that in Italy you can tell which cities the Etruscans built versus which ones the Romans built because the Etruscans all built on hills and the Romans all built on rivers. I wish you all could see how much her face lit up when she thought of that fact. I just love simple ways to, like, look at something and know its history. Mm-hmm. Like, quick little tidbits like that. Like, mm-hmm. I learned that. I've never forgotten it. You know? Now you'll never forget that. Yeah. So cool. That, that <laughs> just by looking at something, you can be like, that was settled by an ancient people. Just by looking yeah. at it. I think that's amazing. Okay. Anyway. Um... Both the Greeks and the Etruscans controlled Pompeii without the use of the military, so it enjoyed political autonomy, even though it was settled by these people. Mm -hmm. Um, Pompeii did become a member of the Etruscan League of Cities, which connected it to a larger trading network throughout Italy. The Etruscans built the Temple of Apollo in Pompeii, which is still partially visible. In 474 BCE, the Greek city of Cumae defeated the Etruscans at the Battle of Cumae and gained control of Pompeii. And then, in 423 BCE, the Samnites conquered the Greek Cumae and took over their ter- their territory, including Pompeii. Mm-hmm. And they imposed their own architecture and enlarged the town. So, in the excavations, you can see clear differences in architecture over time, and that's from the influence of the Greeks versus the Samnites. Oh, interesting. Super cool. In 343 BCE, the Samnite War entered Pompeii into the Roman orbit. The people of Pompeii became more loyal to Rome than to the Samnites for many years after. In the late 4th century, which it's so weird to think that late 4th century is like 300 versus like (laughs) like 390 is the early 4th century. Yeah. So confusing. Um, The city expanded past its original walls and followed a street plan similar to ancient Greek architect Hippodamus. And that's where Pompeii's streets were built from as a direct influence of the Greeks. Which I never thought about someone having to invent streets 
But like, <laughs> thank you, Hippodamus. Following the Samnite Wars, Pompey became an official confederate of Rome who influenced their government and society. Now, they weren't a part of, like, Rome itself, but they were considered similar to, like, a commonwealth. Yeah. that They were in league with it, but not officially part of their government or part of their, like, statehood, I guess. I remember all this from the commonwealth, talking about commonwealths when we were talking about the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar to that. At the outbreak of the Second Punic War, during which Pompey was faithful to Rome, Pompey built a second internal wall around the city. So the city became big enough that they were like, we get to do a wall again. Mm -hmm. So happy for them. (laughs) So happy for them. Trump would die. (laughs) Trump would die. I get two walls? In the second century BCE, Pompey took part in Rome's conquest of the East. The riches from this expansion allowed Pompey to boom and build many more large structures, including the Teatro Grand, the Temple of Jupiter, and the Basilica. Again, all of which still exist at the archaeological site. I want to go. I want to see all You didn't stuff. go to Pompeii? No. Wait, who do I know that? Oh my god, no, that was when I was in Italy. Okay, I have a hilarious story to tell about some of our <laughs> friends when this is over about Pompeii. Okay. In the first century BCE, Pompey rebelled against Rome in the social wars. First time Pompey was like, we're not with Rome anymore in like 400 years. Mm -hmm. The city was besieged by Roman general Sulla using artillery, which like the fact that they had artillery in first century BCE. Yeah. Like amazing. Again, what a loss that the dark ages happened and we forgot how to make all of these (laughs) things. Like, nothing blows my mind more than the fact that the city of Rome burned down and we lost, like, a bunch of technology. Like, everyone was just like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Unbelievable how quickly civilization collapsed. Okay, anyway. So, the craters that his artillery left on the walls can still be seen today. Whoa. Many buildings. Sorry, I wrote this whole thing assuming that you'd been there. No. I'm going to show you some pictures. Great. It's they're so cool. Many buildings were destroyed and Pompeii was forced to surrender. At this time, Pompeii became a full Roman colony under the name Colonia Cornelia Venaria Pompeinorum. Very long long. name. Very (laughs) long name. But they still were like, we're going to Pompeii. (laughs) Sulla's veterans were given land and property around the cities and opposers were dispossessed of their properties. So it became a completely Roman controlled and Roman society. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, however, Pompeians were granted Roman citizenship, the ones that didn't oppose the Romans, um, and they assimilated very quickly. They learned Latin, and Pompey's aristocratic families changed their names to sound more Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, Pompey also served as, as an important passage for goods arriving by sea for Rome and southern Italy. Public buildings were built or refurbished, including the amphitheater of Pompeii, the Forum Baths, and the Odeon. These buildings raised the social status of Pompeii, and it became a cultural center in the region. Mm. I bring all this up because I think it is really important to understand that when Pompeii was buried under the volcano, it wasn't, like, this random town. Yeah. It was, like, truly... It would be, like, the equivalent of Rome being destroyed today. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it was a really, really big city and a really big deal. It's not just some, like, random place. Yeah. Which I think we sometimes think of it as because that's all we know it for. But back then it would have been, like, truly devastating. Like, a major port in the world completely destroyed. 
Um, under Augustus Caesar, the first Roman emperor, Pompeii expanded even more. In 20 BC, an aqueduct was built to deliver running water into the city, which love me some aqueducts. <laughs> <laughs> they're beautiful. They are beautiful. Like, they're like, wow. <laughs> like, most beautiful system of plumbing I've ever seen. <laughs> In 59 AD... Which I would just like to mention that Augustus Caesar was emperor of Rome from 30 BC to 17 AD. 47 years. 47 year reign. That's a really long time for <laughs> yeah. that era, you mm-hmm. know? Like, good for him. <laughs> In 59 AD, there was a huge riot in the amphitheater between Pompeians and New Syrians, which caused the Roman Senate to send an army to restore order and ban further events in Pompeii for 10 years. And we know that this happened because it's depicted on a fresco that survived and still exists today. What? Yeah. In 62 AD, a severe earthquake did major damage to Pompeii. It is believed the earthquake would be a five or six on the Richter scale today. Mm. At the time, inhabitants of Pompeii were used to minor tremors, which is documented by Pliny the Younger. And you might recognize <laughs> this name because Pliny the Elder wrote the first legend about the creation of soap. <laughs> Do you remember that? Vaguely. He was like, the women, like, would go and walk, like, the rocks would come down the mountain. And in some place in Italy that's close to Pompeii, actually. And they would come down, they would, like, wash their clothes in it, and they would be cleaner. And it was because of the rocks on the mountain that washed down the river. He wrote that. Um, but How him can and I his, forget? Him and his nephew are going to come up a little bit later. Okay. They actually are, like, really important in how much we know about Pompeii. Oh. Uh, at the time of this earthquake, the Pompeians recorded the death of 600 sheep due to what they called tainted air. This tells us that this tells us that the earthquake was likely linked to Mount Vesuvius, mm-hmm. but they didn't know. Because it was, like, ash in the air. Right. On the day of this earthquake, Pompeii was holding two celebrations, one for Emperor Augustus and the other to honor the guardian spirits of the city. Following the earthquake, um, although it was once thought the parts of the city were never rebuilt, it now looks like the city actually did manage to return to its original status, and some buildings were even enhanced following the earthquake. Like, they took the advantage to be like, well, add more marble and more carbon, so it'll be even prettier. <laughs> mm. um, but unfortunately, because it was an ancient civilization, or not... I can't say ancient because people existed in 10,000 BCE, but, like, because it was 62 AD, they knew nothing (laughs) about science, and they did not take this as a forewarning um, of future volcanic activity. By 79 AD, Pompeii had a population of 20,000 people. Very big. Although Mount Vesuvius has erupted many times since then, this eruption is the most famous because it is one of the deadliest in European history. I also looked up information. I was like, I wonder what the deadliest volcano eruption ever was. It was in Indonesia in 1815. It killed (laughs) 300,000 people. What? And there was so much ash that it was called the year without a summer. (gasps) Which, how have I not learned about this? So we're going to talk about that later. Okay. (laughs) Because what? amazing incredible i mean like not not incredible in a good way but like a wow the world you know yeah wow this planet um the molten rock vesuvius spewed over two days in october 79 a.d released a hundred thousand times the thermal energy of the atom bomb what yeah jeez Mm -hmm. several 
Several Roman cities were obliterated, including most famously Pompeii and Herculaneum. It's it's Hercules, but it ends with anium. Herculaneum. Herculaneum. I don't know why I can't say it. It's a hard word. It's a weird word. Yeah, and those cities were very close together, and you can walk between the two of them very easily at the time. Right now, the eruption was preceded by four days of small tremors and eruptions, but no one recognized the warning signs. Mm -hmm. The only eyewitnesses to leave a surviving document were Plilny the Younger, who was staying at Mycenaeum on the other side of the Bay of Naples from the volcano. I will come back to him. (laughs) At around 1 p.m. on the first day, Mount Vesuvius erupted violently, spewing a column of ash and pumice. During this time, people from Pompeii and the surrounding area attempted rescue and escape, while others on the Bay of Naples saw it happen, and they were like, that's crazy. But it wasn't coming towards them, so they didn't know what to do. Um, The flows were rapid-moving, dense, and very hot. They knocked down all structures in their path. Oh, I I skipped a point. Sometime in the night or early the next morning, pyroclastic flows began to move around the mountain. These are essentially large clouds of hot gas that move at hundreds of miles per mm-hmm. hour. When you see photos of a volcano, we think of it's like, oh, a volcano and lava comes sliding down. That's not what it is at all. It's yeah. actually mostly clouds of this hot, hot gas. Um, and the flows were rapid moving, dense, and very hot. They knocked down all structures in their path, just completely erased them. Mm-hmm. Pliny the Younger wrote, quote, broad sheets of flame were lighting up many parts of Vesuvius. Their light and brightness were the more vivid for the darkness of the night. It was daylight now everywhere else in the world, but there the darkness was darker and thicker than any night. Jeez. When when these pyroclastic flows started moving towards Pompeii, people on the other side of the bay also fled. So essentially everybody at the Bay of Naples left the area mm-hmm. but because of the wind it was headed it headed straight for Pompeii and Pompeii got the like really force of it yeah at the time of the eruption Pliny the Younger who wrote that quote was only 17 years old his letter detailing the events is dated 25 years later so he only wrote about it much much after the fact um but his Uncle Plilney the Elder, soap guy, launched a rescue party to evacuate the coast, um, and Plilney the Younger declined to join him. Mm. Plilney the Elder experienced firsthand the wind and ash, and during this mission he died, although likely from some other medical condition and not the poisonous gas, based off of the location where it is known that he died. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is considered a casualty of this event. There are very few other known casualties from this day. Jewish princess Drusilla and her son Agrippa are the only other two named villagers. The site was rediscovered in the mid-17th century, which, like, can you imagine it being the 1600s and you're like, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to imagine because we have, we have just wealth of information now. Like, I want someone to discover... Something truly wild, like Atlantis, and it being like we had no I did. proof. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something else, but like I want someone to discover something. Like they kind of discovered Troy. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something, but like it's hard because I can't know what I'm thinking of because they didn't know what happened. That's the thing. It was the 1600s. Now, yeah. now we know all of these things yeah. happen because yes. we have science and technology and computers and we can evaluate things and there are architects or archaeologists and architects. <laughs> there are architects. There are architects, but they're not doing this. <laughs> but we have all, we know all of these things. So I can't imagine what it would be like to discover that that happened. Yeah. You know? That's what blows my mind. 
Um, it was first excavated in 1748, and since then is has continuous excavation, making it the longest continually excavated site in the world. Good for Pompeii. By 2003, 1,044 casts made from the impressions of bodies in the ash deposits had been rediscovered in and around Pompeii. This is what Pompeii is most famous for. Mm-hmm. Um, they have found the scattered bones of another 100 people but still the total number of fatalities remains unknown because we don't know how many people managed to get out and we don't know how many bodies were just like destroyed mm-hmm. um about 38 percent of the casts were found inside buildings this is significant because in modern eruptions only about four percent of victims have been killed by ash falls like these people were mm-hmm. that just shows the severity of the eruption that 34 percent more of people were killed that way yeah then the average. The remaining 62% were found outside and were likely killed by the pyroclastic surge. Studies indicated that in the fourth pyroclastic surge, which was actually the first to reach Pompeii, the rest kind of just went through farmlands and minor towns, temperatures reached 572 degrees Fahrenheit, which is enough to kill a person in a fraction of a second. So, they did not suffer. Contrary to popular belief, the contorted postures of the cast do not come from, like, their cries of agony, but rather spasms caused by heat shock to the body. Okay. So, they're, like, when you see them, they're all, like, twisted and, like, these terrible... And, like, yes, they would have been crying out in pain, but again, they died For in, a second, yeah. yeah. they died in a fraction of a second. Um, but it actually comes from... Because their literal organs and blood were eviscerated from the heat. And there, are, there's at least one example of a person's brain turned into glass. Because <gasps> it was so hot. That it liquefied and turned into a type of glass. <laughs> That's not the... It's brain called vitrification. So, like, Whoa. because it wasn't sand, it wasn't glass. But it's I die, turned my brain into glass. <laughs> Make, like, a pretty it's vase. It's not actually glass because it's not made out of sand. But it's called vitrification. Oh. It's when you're at extreme heat, your liquid turns into, mm-hmm. like, a thin, new solid. <laughs> How dope would that be, though? Crazy! For me to have that done. Not that that happened to that person. (laughs) You want it done on purpose. Recently, archaeologists have started excavating the north of what's called the Pompeii Park or Archaeological Mm -hmm. Park. It is their most intense dig since the 1960s. So far, they have discovered the remains of a horse, a home with an elaborate shrine, well-preserved mosaics, and a pornographic bedroom fresco. (laughs) There is already a pornographic fresco that it's that's part of the tour of Pompeii. Um, when I went there as a spry 20-year-old, everyone was like, because <laughs> <laughs> we were the worst. Um, <laughs> but they, yeah, there are lots of frescoes still in existence, but this one apparently was um, was a scene depicted in like an ancient myth. So everyone was like, whoa. <laughs> in May 2018, they discovered the remains of a man who survived the initial eruption, but died by the gases while trying to escape. And they found the equivalent of 500 euros on him. <gasps> like at the time. What would have been 500 euros. Oh. They were like. <laughs> rich man. Yeah. He was like trying to flee with his riches. That's probably why he died. He slowed himself down packing up all his stuff. <laughs> They also found writing on walls, including a child writing Sabinus, which was a last name of a notable family in ancient Pompeii. Oh, I know a couple Sabines. Well, there you go. <laughs> 
comes from ancient Pompeii. In 2013, UNESCO threatened to place Pompeii on the list of world heritage sites in peril unless Italian <gasps> authorities did a better job of preserving it, which really surprises me because Italy is all about preservation. Yeah. Apparently they weren't doing a good job. They closed off a number of paths through Pompeii, which had caused overcrowding in certain areas and was deteriorating those areas really quickly. Mm. A couple of walls had also collapsed as well as columns and they were like, you're not taking good care of this. So now they've opened up more roadways that Mm -hmm. you can walk through there so that overcrowding isn't as much of a problem. Um, And they have improved their preservation. Since the eruption of 74 AD, Mount Vesuvius has erupted about three dozen more times. Jeez! Yeah. Cassius Dio, who was a historian, recorded an eruption in 203. In 472 AD, these are all AD now, it ejected such a volume of ash that ash falls were reported as far away as Constantinople. <gasps> they got to Turkey! <laughs> That's Istanbul, Constantinople. Well, I love the Umbrella Academy. Okay, <laughs> eruptions of 512. Um, were so severe that those inhabiting the slopes of Vesuvius were granted exemption from taxes by the Gothic king of Italy, Theodoric mm. the Great. The volcano became... I'm just going to say dormant, because I don't know what this word is. Quiescent? It's like quiet, but with scent at the end? It doesn't matter. It became dormant at the end of the 13th century, um, and... In its dormant years, it actually became covered with gardens and vineyards, and a lot of times in cities that, um, and areas that are hit with volcanic ash, like, the earth grows back faster and better because it, like, renews the cycle. Um, so even the inside of the crater, like, was filled with, like, grass and shrubbery and stuff like that. But then, um, activity resumed in December 1631 when a major eruption buried many villages under lava flows, killing around 3,000 people. Um, and after that, activity was almost continuous between 1631 to 300 years. That's not. There was like, there was like <laughs> 12 eruptions in 300 years, which is a lot. Yeah. The eruption uh, in April 5th, 1906 killed more than 100 people and injected the most lava ever recorded <gasps> from Mount Vesuvius. Italian authorities were preparing to hold the 1908 Summer Olympics in Naples when Mount Vesuvius erupted um, and it completely devastated the cities, the city of Naples and the surrounding area. Vesuvius was active from 1913 to 1944 with lava filling the crater and occasional outflows of small amounts of lava. So it's very dangerous to live there yeah. at the time. The eruptive period ended in the major eruption of March 1944, which I would like to point out is in the middle of World War II. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder if people were reporting on that or if they were busy. I can't believe we even heard about this. There were American troops in Italy. Like, yeah. Not, and, like, Italians as well. You know, not to be like, there were Americans there. Like, that's not what I mean. But still, the fact that you never hear about it. Um, there, it, The eruption in March 1944 destroyed the villages of San Sebastiano al Vesuvio, Massa di Soma, Ota- Ottaviano, and part of San Giorgio Acramano. Um, it is not erupted since. However, Vesuvius is an active volcano, and we are 100% sure it will erupt again. It gets 24-hour monitoring. Cool, let's go. <laughs> I know, that's what's crazy. Is like <laughs> So, like, now I get to tell my fun anecdote story, which isn't really my story, and I'm sorry to the friends that might listen to this and you're like, that's my story, but you're not here. <laughs> 
so we're social distancing. So I have a very normal trip to Pompeii. I like took the train down. I did a weekend trip on the Amalfi Coast. I went with the touring group. They like took us, dropped us off on a bus. We toured for a while with a woman. It was nice. It's lovely. I'll show you pictures. Um, it's, can't wait. It's beautiful, which it's like ironically beautiful because <laughs> you're like, wow, so, like forbidden <laughs> vacation. I'm gonna show you a photo. It's this beautiful open plain. Um, with, like, columns and ancient buildings, whatever, and then in the background is Mount Vesuvius. It's, like, very ominous, I would say. But part of that tour, which many touring companies do, is that first you stop at Mount Vesuvius, and you can hike up it. I didn't do it. I was like, (laughs) no. It erupts. Um, I wasn't afraid of it erupting. I just was like, I'm just not a hiker. <laughs> um, so I hung out and it was, I, I was a wimp. It was only like a 20 minute hike, but I still was like, I really don't feel like doing this. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid of heights. Like that makes mm-hmm. me anxious. Cause what you do is you go up and you stand at the edge of the crater and you can like look down into it. No, no, no. But now that I know it's an active volcano, I mean, it seems like they'd be able to get a lot of warning for when it happens, which is good. Yeah. Um, But that was my trip to Pompeii. Our friends, however, and if they're listening, they're going to know who they are. (laughs) They did not. I studied abroad in Italy. So, like, getting there, not a problem. They studied abroad in Ireland. So, they did... Like, I think there was, like, eight or nine of them did a week trip to Italy, and they rented this house that they, like, all shared. It was awesome. It sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, And then they did a couple of day trips. I believe they were staying outside of Rome, and, like, I met them in Florence. But one of the days they went down to Naples. Um, But not all of them went. And apparently, when it happened, they had hired somebody, and it seemed like it was, like, a tour group when really this guy showed up in, like, a van. <gasps> And, like, the six of them, all six, I think they were all girls that were with them. Um, I know there were guys in Italy with them, but I don't believe they went to Naples. Uh They went to the Amalfi Coast. Piled into this van. And the, like, driver was flirting with one of them the whole time. And it's, like, a five-hour drive. Like, it's it's long. And they went there and back in one day. And it was just, like, this bizarre situation where they were just, like, this Italian guy was like, yeah, I take you to Naples. And, like, (laughs) he just was obsessed. Obsessed with our with one of our friends, very uncomfortable. And I know I'm missing parts of the story, but yeah. like, what an Italian thing to do to be like, I'm gonna take a van of girls down to Pompeii and press them with our architecture. <laughs> anyway, I'll show you a photo of Pompeii. Um, and I know I say that I'm gonna post things to the website, and then I never do. But I, I'll do it. I'll do it this one. Like this is there. Look how well. How, look how well preserved that is. It's beautiful. The inside. <gasps> That's stunning. Yeah. It's, like, these lovely columns with great natural light. These are the frescoes. Like, they're still very visible. Yeah. Like, they're full drawing. Sometimes you see something... You ever go to a place and it's, like, it's amazing. It's so historical and well-preserved. And you're, like, that's a wall. You know? <laughs> I felt that way in some places. Um, I did not feel that here. Here I was, like, no, this is dope as hell. Um, One time, my school... Um, my, like, sixth grade class had a field trip. And it was to this place called the ghost village Mm -hmm. and I was like so excited and we got there and it was just like this house from like the 1800s that burnt down years ago like I don't think anybody was even in but again it was like hundreds of years ago and it was just like so here's the (laughs) like we get so we just like walked through the woods for a long time just to get to like the vague outside of a basement 
And That's I was weird. like, this is the ghost village? <laughs> Why is this town. a field trip? What a letdown. What a letdown. This is us standing in front of that face statue is like an art installation that was oh, not there, okay. but the rest of it was there. <laughs> but you can see it's like so, like there's Vesuvius and there was yeah. like a cloud right above it. Yeah, it looks like there's smoke coming out of it, but it's just a cloud. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very ominous look to it for sure. Do you want to see one of the bodies? Sure. <gasps> I wasn't expecting it to look that like coated. I'll be honest. Um, I was underwhelmed by the number of bodies. You, you can... <laughs> we know that there are like thousands that have been excavated, but when you tour Pompeii, at least when I was there, you can only see two bodies and a dog. The dog sucks. <laughs> it's, it's so sad. <laughs> no, not sucks. Like he's terrible. Like it's it's very depressing. And there's a oh, girl. okay. I thought no. you were saying like. <laughs> Dog, one star out of five. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's very depressing. It's very, very sad. Um, I thought it was going to be, like, lines and lines and rows and rows of bot- bodies and casts. It's not like that at all. Um, which is good for some people. One time, <laughs> this is my last tangent, and then we'll close it out. One time, um, I was in Sicily with my mom. This was last summer. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to go to this church that is famous for people paid to have their preserved skeletons on display in the church it's underground oh i hated it it's like literally rows and rows and rows of skeletons and like preserved bodies and they're all like they were embalmed so they like look still like people and they have clothes on and they have pins that say the day they died i hated it it's like the catacombs in paris oh i I hated did not do did not do the catacombs had no wish but it's very it's very weird, but other countries and other cultures have a different relationship to their bodies and death than maybe we personally do. Like, yeah. I don't want anybody looking at my dead body. But they wanted it. That's the important thing to remember. Yeah. But there's a whole area that's all children. Oh, my God. It's awful. I hated it. It's like, if you're into that, if you're into, like, morbid things, it's very cool. Um, was not for me, but another cool excavation site. In, not excavation, but a cool heritage mm-hmm. site in Italy to check out if you like looking at old bodies. <laughs> These are newer old bodies. They're from the 1900s. I'm just thinking about how my, my how t- the opposite of a good time I had in the catacombs. <laughs> right. And my friends didn't even notice. I was literally like like having a panic attack and they were all just like, no, let's take a selfie with this skeleton. I was like, I feel like I'd be fine for, like, five minutes. I'd be like, okay, this is happening. But the longer it went, the more uncomfortable I'd be. That's how I felt in this area. Yeah. Well, the catacombs, it's like, there's no... You can't turn back. Right, you have to go straight through. Yeah. It's true. (laughs) It's true. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you have something that you've been wondering and you want us to talk about it, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com and we'd love to put it on our show. And finally, if you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and or donating to us directly through the link in the bio of this episode. Sarah, do you know what I've been wondering? What? I would like to know the real history of the Confederacy and the Confederate flag Mm. so that we can, like, give context and I can be ready to fight with some people online. Great. I love that. I love arming you to stand stand up against racism online. Yeah. Happy to help you do that. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? Yeah. I want you to talk about incels. Oh, my God. Like, it's something I know literally nothing about. 
Uh, I only recently learned what incel even stands for. So, uh, sure. I'd be happy to tell you all about that. I hate them, but yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, then we'll have a double we hate them episode. (laughs) It's perfect. (laughs) Okay, thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering.